Would you go to Ephesians, please? For some weeks now, we've been on a series that we're calling No Place for the Devil. How much place do we want him to have? Zero. None. And uh, our main text is here in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 and 21, it says, if you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that means way of life, the old man. Everybody say, put off the old man, which said it's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, even though when you're born again, the inner man, hidden man of the heart, becomes a new creation. Your heart wasn't healed when you were born again. It was recreated. Recreated. And, but just because the inner man has become a new man, old things are passed away, doesn't mean your mind thinks all like God. Your mind needs to be renewed. Keep going. And he said that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now who's going to put off the old man and put on the new man? Who's going to do that? He's telling them to do it. He's telling us to do it. God doesn't do this for you. How many have found that God doesn't do everything for you? (laughs) No. And uh, that's actually, uh, there are two prayers. There's more than that, I'm sure, but two big ones, kinds of prayer, God cannot answer. And so you don't want to be praying them. Two big kinds of prayers. One of them is asking him to do something he's already done. How can he answer that prayer? If you're pleading with him to do something he's already done, what does that show? It shows you don't believe what he said. You don't believe that he's done what he said he did. And you keep trying to get him to do something he's already done. How can he answer that prayer? And also, if you're praying, trying to get him to do what he told you to do, (laughs) how can he answer that prayer? If he told you to do something, and for instance, he told us to resist the devil, didn't he? If you've been here in the series, you should know this. The answer is yes. James. You resist the devil. First Peter, resist him steadfast in the faith. Other places. Actually right here, don't give him any place. Well, what if you're just pleading, pleading for the Lord to make the devil stop? Make the devil leave you alone. See, you're, you're trying to get him to do what he told you to do. How can he answer that prayer? No, the enemy's down here. And he's going to be doing some things. And if you say, please, God, make the devil stop and and leave me alone and never bother me again. God can't answer that prayer. 
He'd contradict what he's already said in his word. No, he told us to resist the enemy and he would flee from us. Now, if you decide to do that, the Lord will help you do that. But he's not going to do it for you, ignoring what he told us to do. Keep going. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying. Now, see, that's part of the old man. The old, unregenerate man is a liar. Not the new man in Christ Jesus. Put away lying. But now, can a Christian lie? (laughs) Well, the Spirit of God is writing to born-again, tongue-talking believers in the church at Ephesus when he tells them to stop lying. Put it away. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. See, what's he saying? Even though inside I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, I still got the old man on the outside. I still got a mind that doesn't think right unless it's been renewed. And so it's my choice what I put on. Whether I wear the old man and act like I've never even been saved and act just like I did back before I got saved or whether I put that off and I put on the new man which is created in Christ Jesus. True righteousness and holiness. Speak the truth. Verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. See the old man had a bad temper. Is that right? And would stay mad and hold a grudge for 25 years. But that's not how saved people act. If you're going to put that off, somebody say, put that off. Pull pull that off. Take that off. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. So lying was giving place to the devil. Holding on to rage and unforgiveness and grudge, that's giving place to the devil. Holding on to the ways of the old man allows space and opportunity for the evil one to work. And we're told, don't give him any room. Look at your neighbor, help him out and say, don't give him any room. No room to operate. No space. (laughs) And you can say, okay, all right, I won't. (laughs) Ephesians 6, go on over there, please. Ephesians 6, now coupled with this, we spent a lot of time on those things. And of course, there's a lot more that could be spent. In fact, I I don't know how I'm going to end this series. (laughs) I can already see another six months. And, and that's not the end. So I, at some point, we'll need to talk about something else, I'm sure. But how many believe this is important? This, this is important. This is important. Because truth be told, reality is many millions of Christians are being defeated. They are just getting kicked to the curb by the enemy on a regular basis, because a lot of them, they don't even know there is an enemy, much less how to resist, much less how to fight and overcome. And so we're your under-shepherds, 
and we care about you, and we don't want you kicked to the curb. We want you overcoming. Is that right? We want you winning, triumphing over them in Christ Jesus on a regular basis. So we'll just camp on this as long as we need to. What do you say? How long we go? Well, till we get through. That's till we get through, and the Lord will let us know when that is. Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10, he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, this is not you being strong in yourself and in your smarts and in the power of your strength. That's why he said it specifically this way. Strong, how? In the Lord. Say it out loud. I am strong in the Lord. I am strong in the power of his might. This is talking about being God inside minded, being aware of the greater one on the inside of you. And like Paul said, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When my strength is running out and failing, I'm not done. Because there's somebody bigger than me that lives inside of me, with me, and when I'm not strong enough in myself, I quit relying on myself, and I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And with His strength and grace and ability, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not my might, His might. Not my strength, His strength. Keep reading. Verse 11 Put on, see that's that phrase again, that's why I read the previous chapter. Put on the whole armor of God. Who's going to do that? Same one that puts off the old man, puts on the new man, is going to put on. This new man is well dressed and fully equipped. (laughs) We talked about that neat you know, breastplate a while back. And none of these breastplates have pot bellies. They're all cut and, and gleaming and shining. You look good in this armor. Which is why you want to wear it all the time. You wear it to bed. You wear it to eat in. You wear it in the shower. You wear No reason to take this off. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? To what end? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, like we've said repeatedly, there hasn't been enough emphasis put on this one word, wiles. Because people, you know, read this and they think, yeah, you know, that you might be able to Stand against the devil. No, he he mentions specifically what it is that the devil is doing that you need protection from. This is where you don't want to get vague and nonspecific. What exactly is this armor protecting us from? The wiles. The wiles of 
the devil. What, what are wiles? Well, it's craftiness. It's trickery. It's deception. The devil is the father of lying. And when he speaks lies, he's speaking his own language that he created. And God hates it. I'm telling you, God, your father, he hates a lie. And so you should too. Sit out loud. I hate lies. I know hate's a strong word. I use it advisedly. You want to hate what God hates. I didn't say he hates liars. He hates lies. It's a distinction. But you want to make up your mind, no matter how much of a liar you've been in the past, you want to decide, I'm done with that. Because you or I choose to hide, to deceive, to lie, the moment we do, you can't get a lie from God. So where'd you get that lie? You had to get it from the father of lies and you have to give him place and access in your life to use what's his. He mentioned lying specifically in that fourth chapter about not giving place to the devil. And so if you're going to keep the devil out of your business and out of your life, you've got to stop lying and stop hiding and deceiving and covering that results in any kind of deception in life. Said out loud, I love the truth and I hate lies. I despise them. I refuse to tell a lie. When you tell lies, it makes you susceptible to believing lies. You heard the phrase in the last days, people would wax worse and worse, deceiving and what? And being deceived. You got to stay clear of it. You can't use it without it affecting you. You'll hear people say, oh, you know, don't, don't make me lie to you. Don't make me tell you a lie. It shouldn't be an option. Now, if you, if you made a mistake in telling somebody something, that wasn't a lie. Don't call it a lie. If you didn't know better. Misinformation, mistake, is not a lie. A lie is an attempt to deceive. Put on, verse 11, put on, say, everybody say put on, put on. The whole armor of God. So that what? We could stand against this craftiness, this trickery of the enemy, the devil. That's, now, he, he uses some graphic physical things in talking about the armor. Breastplate, sword, shield, helmet. And people have gotten hung up on that because natural people gravitate to the natural. But these are not natural things. These are spiritual things. And so the, because it's protecting against a spiritual attack, not a natural attack, a spiritual influence. And how do these spiritual influences come? Well, we, we looked at this, 2 Corinthians 10 talks about, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God 
to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. That's how they come. Can you see that? The wiles, the trickery of the devil. How does it come? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought. Everybody say thought, thought. That's how they come. Imaginations, images, thoughts, suggestions, influences, impressions. That's what we need to be on the watch against. And that's what this armor will protect you from. And these things, though they're spiritual, they are not imaginary. They are real. They're very real. Keep reading. He said, verse 12, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual. Everybody say spiritual, spiritual. Spiritual. Spirit, not against flesh and blood. Now, the enemy uses people, like God uses people, but the evil is not from them, it's merely through them. Can you see this? And so, if we are spiritual ourselves and aware, We don't just get mad and hate the flesh. We realize they're just, most of the time, an unwitting vessel that's yielding to some wrong spirits that they don't even believe in. They're being used. They're being manipulated. And the real issue are the spiritual influences behind them. The spiritual influences. Why did they say what they did that hurt you? Why did they do what they did that hurt you? Because the enemy came and brought them imaginations and thoughts and feelings and pushed them and influenced them to do that. And they didn't even know what was going on most of the time. They just stewed about it and thought about it and got mad about it and then did it. But the flesh and blood's not really your problem. It's the enemy behind it. Spiritual wickedness. Keep reading the next verse. Wherefore, he says it again, second time here, same phrase, take unto you, you take to you. Who's going to do this for us? I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. God's not going to do it for us. We must take to ourselves the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That's as opposed to giving in, quitting, letting it happen, letting it come in. Keep going. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. This is the first piece of armor. He mentions six pieces. Loins girt with truth. What's the first piece of armor he talks about? Truth. Don't get hung up on the belt. This is spiritual. Now, yeah, the the graphic piece, it does reveal a lot of things. I'm not saying it doesn't. But people can get, you know, people say, okay, I'm putting on the belt of truth. Okay, click. I got it on. That does not mean you have it on. (laughs) 
because you made a physical motion. What's the, the armor? Truth. What does truth protect you from? Lies. For one thing, you wouldn't know a lie is a lie unless you knew the truth. Right? To compare it against. So the, uh, the truth protects you from deception. It also protects you from darkness. Because truth is light. And just, a lot of times people are fooled just because of ignorance. But the truth enlightens you so that you're not in the dark. And in the truth gives you the standard to measure everything by so that you're not tricked and deceived. And you can hold up and go, oh no, that can't be right because the truth says this. This is truth, so that can't be right. And it protects you from receiving lies into your mind and heart. And he said, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, what's the protection? Righteousness. What does it protect you from? Righteousness protects you from condemnation, from guilt, and from shame. Don't let the enemy or people shame you. Are you awake? I said, don't do it. How can I not do it? By putting on righteousness. Yeah, but you've messed it and messed up in so many ways. Yeah, and you have too. But uh, why wouldn't I feel guilty and ashamed? Because I'm either forgiven or I'm not. I'm either cleansed and washed or I'm not. I've either been made the righteousness of God in Christ or I am still my own filthy rag, righteousness unacceptable. No, I have put on the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been made that. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I just received it. But it's still mine. I said it's still mine because he gave it to me and I received it, which means I am Righteous. Yes. If I'm righteous, I'm not condemned. I'm not guilty. So I, I don't. I shouldn't be ashamed. I shouldn't be embarrassed. Yeah, but you messed up. Yeah, I did. But I've been forgiven. I've been cleansed. I've been washed. And I believe that I have been. And if I can stand before the Lord. And he sees me as righteous, as though I have not sinned. I got no problem not being embarrassed around you. If God accepts me and sees me as righteous, I'm not concerned about you. <laughs> if you still got a problem, you'll have to get over it eventually. <laughs> because that blood on the mercy seat is going to speak my innocence and that of every believer's for eternity. It's never going away. We sing about it. It will never lose its power. Hallelujah! And that power is the power of righteousness and holiness. Oh, somebody say thank you, Lord. And how am I going to get to this next piece of armor if we keep these are just so good, aren't they? 
Okay, the next one is the preparation of the gospel of peace. And don't skip that word preparation. That is the protection, is the readiness. And being ready to always share a reason of the hope within you and ready to tell the good news to anybody that wants to hear it that you encounter as you move your feet and go along, meet people. It will save you from embarrassment and from missed opportunities. How many think all of us should be a ready witness? Ready to give witness to what the Lord has done for us and how good he is. The good news about how he has made peace with God for us and given us peace and prosperity and healing and all those things. Also faith, he said, uh, and taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Like we said, this, uh, the Roman shield was a great big door-sized shield that the whole soldier could get behind. And what does it protect from? Fiery darts. Arrows that are on fire. What does that represent? We saw that numerous places in the scripture, arrows and darts were symbolic of words, evil, destructive, harmful, damaging words. And we know all of this protects us from the wiles, the trickiness, the craftiness of the enemy, protects us from the imaginations, the uh, thoughts, the feelings, the evil influence. And what does faith protect us from? Faith is confidence. Confidence in God, it protects you from fear and insecurity and from, you know, wavering. I just don't know. Is this true? Is it not true? Or we have this, we don't have this. Faith is fully persuaded. Faith is confident. So when those things come to pierce you, to confuse you, to hurt you, if you say, no, I I know in whom I believed, and I'm fully persuaded. He's able to keep me. They just bounce off the faith. They don't pierce you and gut you soulically and emotionally. If they can't get to you, they can't get through you. Can't get in you. And we finally made it to the next piece. Take the shield of faith and what? And what? The sword of the Spirit. Anybody excited about the sword? I mean, this is a series right here. The the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? Tells you right there. The sword of the Spirit is your Bible. No. The sword of the Spirit is not a book. Now the words are written in a book, but the reason I say it is because people will wave their Bible and go, this is my sword. No, it's a book with, with pages and ink. Somebody didn't like that. <laughs> the sword of the Spirit is not a book. It's not ink. It's not paper. It's the Word of God 
in your mouth. Not a dusty book on your table. (laughs) All right, it'll be okay. Just hold on. It'll be okay. Go to the book of Revelation, please. The Lord's helping us. Can you tell? Oh, he's helping us so much. He's helping us. Revelation, first chapter. This is one of the most amazing things we could talk about and think about. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, for one thing, a few hundred years ago, the King James didn't exist. Is that right? (laughs) And a few more centuries ago, the English language didn't exist. But the Word of God has always existed. And though heaven and earth pass away, the Word of God will never pass away. Now, we can't even wrap our head around never and ever and ever. But the Word of God is forever. Revelation 1 and 13. John was taken up in the spirit and allowed to see many things. One of the great things he saw was the master, Jesus, the head of the church. He is, I started to say something else, but that's not the right phrase. He's everything. He's Alpha Omega, beginning and the end. His glory is beyond spectacular. And you are going to be so glad when you see him that he calls you brother. Mm -mm. In the midst, he said, of the seven candlesticks, he saw one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girt about the paps with a golden girdle, His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. This is your Savior, church. His feet likened to fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. When he spoke, it sounded like Niagara Falls. Oh, or or more. Keep going. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. Two-edged means it's sharp on both sides. It cuts both directions. And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Looking at him, it was like looking at the sun. And when he spoke, it was like the sound of many, many waters, like the ocean crashing, like the Niagara Falls. And out of his mouth went a sharp, Two-edged sword. What do we know that sword is? It's the Word of God. 
And it is the only offensive weapon God needs. And it's been given to his church to wield and to handle. We are radically different from the animals of creation. Evolutionists try to tell us that we are merely a more highly evolved animal. That's a lie. Nobody can prove to you God doesn't exist. They can't. Nobody can. Nobody can prove to you God didn't create the heavens and earth. Nobody can. They weren't there. How do they know? Now they can say they don't believe it, but they can't prove to you it didn't happen. But God made man. He didn't say this about any of of his other creation. He made man in his own image and likeness. And he breathed his spirit of life into us. And man became a speaking spirit. Now certainly our bodies, they have a lot in common with animals on the planet. Because the same creator made them. And nervous systems work. Skeletons work. Whether it's in a hippopotamus or you. It's a perfect system. It works good. But there's more to you than a body. You're not just a body. You're a spirit. And these animals, they don't speak. Have you noticed that? Oh, they make sounds. But they can't choose their words and release faith. That's God-like. I said, that's God-like. That's how he created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and it became. He commanded, the psalmist said, well, Psalm 33, and it was done. Oh, hallelujah. And when John saw the master glorified, he saw the weapon of God. He saw coming out of Jesus' mouth like a two-edged sword. The word of the living God. My, my, my. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Skip down to Revelation 19. Revelation 19 and 11. I saw heaven opened, John said, and behold a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Anybody know who this is? And in righteousness he does judge and make war. There's coming a time when there's going to be one last hurrah of the enemy fighting against God and attacking his people and the Lord himself is going to lead the response. And it's going to be the last response. And John saw it. He saw into the future and saw it. Verse 12. 
His eyes were as a flame of fire. How many glad you're on the right side? Of, of the, you wouldn't want to be facing him as an opponent. <laughs> you want to be with him. You want to be behind him. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. That's just something between him and the Father. Keep going. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, ho, ho. Oh, so if people mock you and call you word people, you say, yes, thank you. Yes, yes, I am. You never saw a more word person than me. I'm word in the morning, word in noontime, word when the sun goes down. (laughs) His name is called the word of God. We know John said the word was made flesh, became flesh. And dwelt among us. And that nothing that has been made. Was made except by the word. It was all created by the word. Next verse. The armies which were in heaven followed him. Upon white horses. They got white horses too. Clothed in fine linen. White and clean. Keep going. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, which is directed not at us, not at the church, but at the devil and his crowd. He has delivered us, the scripture says, from the wrath to come. Praise God. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. Who is he, church? Come on, help me out. Help me out. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now get this. Who are the kings he's king of? Who are the lords? He's Lord of, if you back up and read, it said the Lord has, we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and he's made us unto our God, kings and priests. That's us. That's us. That's us. I said that's us. So the master, the head of the church, is not the only one that has a horse. Not the only one that has the white linen fine and clean. He's not the only one that even has a crown. He's not the only one that has a sword. That's right. <laughs> Ephesians says, you take to you the whole armor of God. You take the truth. You take the righteousness. You take preparation of the gospel of peace. You take the helmet of salvation. You take the shield of faith and you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I ought to preach this to myself. (laughs) Verse 21 tells us how it finished 
the remnant of the enemy were slain with the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth. This is spiritual reality, not, not symbolic imagery. This is spiritual reality. When this happens, these flesh and blood armies, you see that word flesh at the bottom there? They will be killed and destroyed by the sword that comes out of his mouth. Because they dared defy the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now look with me, if you would, over to the book of Hebrews and the fourth chapter. Hebrews 4 and 12. Talking about the Word of God. We're given some insight and description into the Word. We know it is a sword. It's it's spiritually real, but it's not a physical sword. But it's still real. But it is the word of God. What does a sword do? A sword pierces. A sword cuts. A sword can cleave in half. Can divide asunder. You'll see that right here. The word of God, he said, is quick. Now, other, tra- other places, it's tra- that word's translated living. Living. Say it out loud. The Word of God is living. It's living. That's why you can read it, the same verse, for 50 years and get something different out of it every time you read it. Because it is not static It's not dead, it's alive. And anything that's alive, you see different aspects of it because it's living. His Word, the Word of God is living and it's powerful. How many believe that? What kind of power does it take to create stars and planets and gravity, the mountain ranges, the Pacific Ocean and all the creatures? What kind of power? And not just create it, keep it going. The Bible said all things are upheld by the word of his power. The reason gravity has continued to work all this time is because the word that brought it into existence still exists. (laughs) And anybody that thinks otherwise cannot prove it didn't happen. That's right. That's right. So what is keeping it together? Someone said, well, it was the Big Bang. Well, what caused the Big Bang? <laughs> Come on. It's a choice whether you believe or not. And what you should go most of all by is your insides. I was not there when God spoke the world into existence. But when I read this, it bore witness with my spirit. And inside me, I know it's true. 
You got to decide on your own what you believe. But belief is a choice. Keep reading it. The Word of God is alive and powerful. Now that word powerful, put that up in the Amplified if you would. Because it goes into some good things there. The Word of God is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. And, and, and that's you'll find that in the Greek definition, this energizing, operative. The Word of God is always operating. It's like a never-ending dynamo. When God says something, it doesn't fade out. It, uh, you know, there's always been this, in science, this holy grail of uh, energy source that's uh, self-creating and renewing. They've never been able to find one, and they won't, (laughs) in this fallen creation. But we found it. The endless energy supply are the words that come out of the eternal God. They create, they change, and they can sustain for millennia after millennia after millennia after millions after billions of years. They just don't run out of gas. They don't run out of power. They don't fade and die out because it's alive and powerful energizing operating and his words are sharp now this is something we need to get a hold of everybody say sharp Sharp. and sharp doesn't seem like the right word it is But in our mind, sharp is enough to cut, you know, slice my tomato without mushing it. Now, we're we're, we're way out beyond a good sharp kitchen knife. (laughs) There there have been swords in the past, like, you know, of course, the uh, Japanese, uh, what do they call them? Yeah, the samurai swords. They're famous, but actually... The Damascus steel sword was one of the sharpest that we have any record of, and it, it, it could be so sharp that you could hold up a piece of silk and just drop it on the blade, and it would cut it in half when it touched the blade. And the Word of God is sharper <laughs> than that. The Word of God is sharper than a water jet, than a laser beam, than a plasma cutter. Why are we saying that? Well, they didn't have some of those things back then. But the picture is, I reckon it can divide and cut on a molecular level, I suppose. This is just me talking. God made atoms. I'm sure he can slice them. (laughs) But what would it take to do that? Anything that sharp would have to be so thin 
it wouldn't have any strength to it. And yet, God's word is the strongest and slices through anything and everything. You say, what's that got to do with us? Everything. Do you have the privilege and access to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Well, what is it then that you got in your hand? You got something alive. You got something so powerful, so self-energizing that never fades up. Something so sharp that you don't want to get it in the wrong place. (laughs) Is that right? Because this thing... (laughs) Forget Star Wars lightsaber. (laughs) The Force, whatever those guys... They wish they had this. But you can only get this one place. One place. The Word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's piercing and sharp. That word means, piercing means penetrating, reaching through. The armor that we've gone over previously, the breastplate, the righteousness, the shield of faith, all those things, that's protective. That protects you. That prevents fiery darts and the wrong thing from penetrating and getting into you. It protects you. That's not what the sword's for. The sword is to attack. The sword is offensive. The devil fears this. He fears this, which is why when you take up the anointed word to resist him, what does James say happen? He runs. He's not just running from your little physical body. What's he running from? He and his have tangled with this before. (laughs) And nobody wants to tangle with it again. (laughs) Because it will slice and dice you (laughs) in ways you never imagined. (laughs) In ways you can't get over. (laughs) And so he just runs. He runs from the anointed word of God. He flees as in terror. At what? At this awesome weapon. And it's got to be just so irritating and infuriating to him because of who's got it. It's like a two-year-old. <laughs> Who found a plasma cannon. <laughs> it's, and yet. Here we are. We're God's little children. <laughs> but uh, we learned enough. To strap our armor on. Amen. We learned enough. To get a hold of the word of God. And get it in our mouth. And start speaking it. And that will change your life. 
it will change things around you. Oh, can you say amen? He said this word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, penetrating, reaching through even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. Can you see how sharp it is? Apparently, the soul and the spirit are so closely connected and function so together that it would take something amazing to separate them. The Word of God can do that. Joint and marrow. And he talks about it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents. Now, what is it that we're to be on our watch about? The wiles of the devil, the trickery, the, the craftiness. And we know from 2 Corinthians, it's these imaginations, it's these thoughts, right? Well, the Word of God is sharp enough, oh, hallelujah, to divide thought and intent. You won't find anything else that can do that. But the truth of God's Word The enemy is a master deceptionist. I mean, he's a master at it. Do not kid yourself. He can take a piece of a truth from here, piece of a truth from here, a subtle little piece of a lie from here, and he can mix it and shape it where it looks wonderful and amazing. And it takes the word of God to go and it falls apart and you can tell the difference between the truth and the error and the right and the wrong and the good and the bad only the anointed quickening living powerful word of God can do that oh hallelujah oh somebody say hallelujah The sword of the Spirit cuts through the devil's cunning. It cuts through it so that you can distinguish between it. 2 Corinthians 4.2 says, We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor what? Handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, his word is truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Everybody said out loud, handling the word of God. what, What do you do with a sword? You handle it. It has a handle. (laughs) And you, what kind of swordsman, swordswoman you are, is determined by how well you can handle the sword. And so obviously we handle the word according to our experience and ability. Look with me in uh, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. I read this in the NIV, if you would. NIV. Uh, Do your best. That's not in there. They added that. 
Present yourself as, to God as approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. Everybody say, correctly handles the word of truth. If you can handle it correctly, what else could you do? You can handle it incorrectly. And the Amplified says, study and be eager to present yourself to God a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing, accurately dividing. Now see, that, that was that word we saw, divide. Well, that's what the sword does, is it divides. It separates. It cleaves. It pierces and divides. Clears everything up. It cuts through the confusion. It cuts through the cunning and craftiness. It cuts right through the junk. Woo. Handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. So we can clumsily handle the word of God. Or we can develop to the point where we skillfully handle the word of God. And the enemy really hopes. His first desire is that you never find out that you got an enemy or that you got armor and certainly you never put it on. But if you do, come across it and find out and put some on and if you dare, get your hand on the sword. He hopes that you are so clumsy welding the word around that you wave half of a wrong verse in the wrong direction <laughs> and don't really cause him and his any real problems and trouble. Now, he'd rather you never found out about it, but he hopes you stay so immature that you don't know how to handle it. Oh, but when you grow, I said when you grow and you learn, you even learn from your mistakes, you read your chapter. Every day, Monday through Friday. You come to church, you come to meetings, you, you feed on the Word, and you learn to rightly divide and, and distinguish what goes where. And you, you don't handle it deceitfully or foolishly or clumsily, but you get to where you can put it where you want it. Yeah. <laughs> you... You can get in a situation and the enemy try to mess with you and you go, <laughs> and he goes, Whoo, what happened? What happened? And the demon's going, oh, I'm hit. I'm hit. I'm hit. I got to get out of here. <laughs> how, how does that work? Not by, I, I depicted that, but it didn't work by you reaching to the side and put, how does it work? By you, by you getting the right thing in your heart and speaking it just the way the Lord told you to. Now Jesus, he said, I only say what I hear the Father say. He could lay a word on you <laughs> with such perfection and precision. Hallelujah! And if you're his, it'll heal you 
It'll deliver you. It can raise you from the dead. But if you're on the wrong side of it, it can cut you apart like a chicken for the fryer. Faster than you can blink your eyes. <laughs> Whew. Said out loud, Father, thank you for the whole armor of God, for the sword of the Spirit. Teach me. Help me to be trained and become skillful in the word of righteousness. Skillful in handling your words in my mouth. I ask it in Jesus' name. <laughs> oh, the devil's got trouble around here, man. He's got, he's got, the enemy's got some problems around here. <laughs> Look back in Ephesians 6. I think I'm closing now. There's seven things mentioned here, not just six. And we need to, we need to get the, this last one. And I don't think I need to spend a whole session on that, but we do need to, to talk about it. Go back to Ephesians 6, and what is it, about verse uh, 12 or so? Keep going, 13, we've already saw that, the armor of God, 14. And 15 and 16, we got the, uh, sh- the shield of faith. And then uh, uh, 17, helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice that's not even a period there. So that's not the end of the thought. Verse 18, what? Praying all the time. With all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, verse 19, and for me, that what? That what utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly. How many think Paul is skillful in handling the sword of the Spirit? Skillful, and yet he knows he can't do it in and of himself. He's even asking them, pray for me, that I get more skillful, more anointed in handling the word of righteousness and the mystery of the gospel. And what's that connected to? Prayer. Praying always with all prayer. Just because you have armor doesn't mean you know how to use it. Just because you have the sword of the Spirit doesn't mean you know how to use it. We've already talked about that. You can handle it clumsily. You can handle it skillfully. So what's going to help me and enable me, not just help you, the only way you can handle it right is by the, with the Spirit's help. And how am I going to get the Spirit's help? By praying Not just once in a great while, but praying just as a way of life. I'm praying, I'm praying. How do I know? When do I know? And how do I know that, hey, you better grab your your righteousness and pull it up a little stronger? How do I know that? Spirit of God. 
Everybody say the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God quickens you. How do I know? Come on, you're laying your, you're laying your faith aside a little bit. Pick that faith up and, and bring it right up, right up high. How do you know the word to speak, the right word at the right time and the right situation? How do you know? There's only one way to know. The Spirit inside you quickens you. Brings the word to your awareness or to your remembrance and then prompts you to say it. You can't do any of this without the Spirit's help. And the way you get the Spirit's help is by checking in with him on a regular basis. Is that right? All the time. Building up yourself in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying with all kinds of prayer. Praying, praying, praying. Speaking in tongues. Speaking in your understanding. Praying and speaking and praying and speaking. And you go into a situation. What, what do I do with this, Lord? What, what do I say? What, how, how do I handle the word on this? How do I? You're always looking to him. Always relying on him. Always reaching out to the spirit inside you. Praying always. With all prayer. Can you see this? And that my brother or sister. Is the fully equipped. Spiritual. Soldier. Of God. That the enemy is terribly afraid of. There are not that many of them. That's really walking in the fullness of this on the planet. But there's more of us all the time. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.